Hello and welcome to Impala's 20 Minutes with for another fabulous conversation about the ever inventive European independent music business. I am your host, Juliana Corantin, and for today's episode, our second in 2022, we are super excited to have with us Jill Dooley, CEO of AIM Island, the Irish Association of Independent Music, and the collective voice of the independent music industry in Ireland. AIM Island was launched in October 2020 during Ireland Music Week, and it then hosted a special day called AIM Island Day at the same event in 2021. In response to Brexit, the UK's still contentious move to withdraw from the European Union and all the complexities that brings, AIM Island joined Impala in 2021. Jill Dooley is here to give us the lowdown of the benefits such a move will bring to the Irish indie market. Hello, Jill. What a pleasure it is to be talking with you. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here speaking to you today. And I've listened to all the other podcasts and I've absolutely devoured all of them and loved them. So, yeah, it's an absolute honor. Well, it's brilliant having a fan on board as well. Here we go. Let's start by casting the spotlight on your career. How did you start working in the music industry? Why did you want to do it? And what steps brought you to your current position at AIM Island? Well, like a lot of people, I think, who end up working in the music industry, it's always quite a checkered career path. There isn't really a blueprint of this is how you do it. I mean, for me, you know, I grew up in a household that loved music. We weren't musicians, but just constantly consumed music and the Beatles and ABBA and all of that music was always um, my soundtrack. Um, and it was quite difficult, I guess, to identify a career path from, say, a second level education in Ireland. There really wasn't anything a third level. So I started volunteering for a radio station, started producing and hosting my own show. Um, and through that, met a lot of artists and bands that were up and coming on the scene. Met an artist that I started to manage, you know, in a kind of semi-professional 19-year-old um, way. And eventually then landed an internship with EMI. And through that internship, it led to a more permanent role with an indie here in Ireland called OMG Chart, who at the time, so you're kind of talking like maybe 2004, they were working with, you know, huge domestic artists like Damien Rice and Mundy and David Gray. So it was a massive learning experience and they distributed for really cool labels like Sub Pop and 4AD. So I was completely in my element but like a lot of younger people also kind of felt that itch to see the world when traveling and landed a an incredible job in New Zealand in music as an assistant for their biggest physical music retailer at the time. And that was really where it kind of all opened up to me because I was dealing with all their indie labels and all their major labels. We were responsible for like 90% of the market um, of physical music. And I really kind of, you know, gravitated towards over there how Universal operated and you know, how much they supported the domestic scene, but they did great work for international artists and kind of got my foot in the universal global world through New Zealand. And then when I came back to Ireland, was hired as their first digital employee in 2007 and plugged very much into the London office with Rob Wells, who was heading it up at the time, who is just incredible and brilliant and has gone on to do wonderful entrepreneurial things post-universal and spent, yeah, 11 
very happy years there in major label life in the digital side of things. So always learning. No one year was the same, but really wanted to, you know, challenge myself, maybe, you know, just kind of find a different way of working as well, you know, and had always wanted to try artist management. And, you know, it's not something you, you can do when you're very senior in a major label. And so went out of my own in 2018 as an independent artist manager and music consultant and was appointed to the A. Marlin Steering Committee in March 2019. And then throughout the pandemic and as things progressed and we kind of mobilized, was appointed interim CEO July 2021 and then formally CEO January 2022. Wow, talk about fast track. Highly impressive and sounds fun on your part too. So well done there. Now let's talk about AIM Island itself. Could you explain how it was created? What is its mission and how many members does it have? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, First Music Contact, who are Ireland's national organization for resourcing musicians, conducted a very comprehensive study across the whole independent sector, um, so or survey, I should say. And really what came out of that was that it was quite apparent that the needs of indie labels, indie managers, publishers, service providers, such as, you know, photographers, marketing, PR, studios and producers, their needs were not being met by any organization that was in place in Ireland. They were very much sole traders out on their own, no way to kind of, you know, come together through community and nobody to advocate on their part. So as a result of that survey being done, there was an event held where we basically brought the independent music industry together. So a few hundred people came together and it was led by FMC and AIM in the UK came over to basically support the process of identifying if there was a need for a national association. It became apparent through the survey and then through that meeting that there really was and that actually not having one, we were, you know, missing out on being able to kind of have a seat at the table in terms of, you know, contributing towards policy at a European level. With Brexit coming, we knew that the challenges would be there and we needed to, I guess, be a bit more robust as a collective industry appointed off the back of that meeting and kind of with the support of and and kind of resource of the team at AIM in the UK, who effectively became the big brother, big sister for us. And with the support of Impala as well, and of FMC, we started to look at what this organization would look like and really identified what our role would be. And, And a little different to some national associations, we don't only represent indie labels and rights holders. I guess the, the collective weight might not be as as strong if it was just indie labels and rights holders as if we we sought to represent all those working independently in music in Ireland. So that's management and publishing and studios and producers, even those working independently and live in Ireland and um, promoters, venues. So we kind of just work towards that by saying, okay, how do how do we actually do that? You know, it's actually having someone there to represent you, to fight your corner, to to show you off. You know, it's it's access to education. We want to professionalize those who work independently in Ireland in music. We want to make it a sustainable career path. And um, so we're looking at education solutions and ways for people who do work independently in Ireland to continue to upskill and professionalize. And then also like the, the most valuable one, I think, is community. It's a bit like a gym membership. You know, it's like you can have it. And if you don't use it or you don't get involved, nothing will happen. <laughs> you know, nothing will happen for you. So we're definitely at that point now where 
we're just over 100 members, a mixture of ind individual and corporate, you know, but we've identified even through the engagement we've had on social media and stuff that, you know, there's there's many more potential members out there and we're still in our infancy. We're only kind of six months of formally operating, but we're just seeing that grow week on week, which is really encouraging. Six months of operation. Talk about achieving a lot in a short space of time. I think that's extraordinary. Okay. Um, so one, um, it gives me a chance to say congratulations are in order. Uh, now that you are full-time CEO, and as you explained, you were interim CEO before the end of January this year. And for someone like me, it's always great news to have another highly experienced female executive in charge of such influential organizations. Let's briefly touch on the Irish music market. Names like Van Morrison, U2, Enya, Thin Lizzy, Sinead O'Connor, Westlife and Rory Gallagher have been some of the world's best-selling acts for decades. And there's the new generation such as Fontaine's DC, You Vagabonds, Marius Somerville. Ireland's contribution to the global music business is phenomenal. Yet I was reading an article in the Journal of Music where an industry observer stated, and I quote, the Irish live industry actually is an industry employing thousands and attracting the world's biggest artists and corporate sponsors. In comparison, the native record industry is more of a farmer's market of many indies sole traders and home studio hobbyists. Is that a fair assessment of the Irish market today? And what can AIM Ireland do to dispel such a view? I think that assessment is a little simplistic and it's also apples and oranges. Yes, we're one music industry, but look at Ireland geographically. We are right between the US and the UK. We are a very easy destination for touring. You know, we're the last stop off before you go to the US or we're the first stop in on your European tour. So we benefit from having many, many international artists come through Ireland. That creates a huge amount of income for the live scene. Having spent a year working in New Zealand, which is a very similar market for domestic music, but it's not an easy market to tour into. And they go crazy when you too play there, you know, um, which is great when you're the Irish person. But they, they don't get that level of international artists come through because of geographically where they are. So our live industry is incredibly buoyant. And therefore, we have really some of the highest skilled workforce in live in Ireland. And as a result, that level of buoyancy supports the domestic live scene which is in non-COVID times quite healthy for such a small market. On the recorded side of it, I think it's a real disservice to, you know, put a, a brand like a, a kind of a farmer's industry on it because, you know, we still punch above our weight in a recording point of view. You've got indie labels that are, you know, getting Grammys in Ireland. You've got studios that Ed Sheeran will fly to come and record in, you know, that Sam Smith will record in. We had Michael Jackson spend a year here recording Kylie Minogue. There's no shortage of a high enough level of industry there. I think what could be improved upon and what AIM Ireland would like to do to move the dial on that perception is just to help that side of the industry mobilize a little bit better. There hasn't been a way to self-promote and there hasn't been this level of community it's been very kind of siloed in how it's worked. And I think that we're starting to see that change. And we're also starting to see coming out of the pandemic, 
you know, kind of people being a little bit more disruptive and trying new things. And we've had new labels launch. We've seen genres change and the scene and trends are changing. And I think all of that through kind of, you know, the advocacy of AIM Ireland can be promoted in a way that it's not seen as being subpar um, and that it is seen as being a very viable part of our industry. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. In which case, let's talk a bit about Brexit now. Is Brexit having an impact on your business, your career and future plans? And did it change the way you work with the UK at an international level? I have always seen Ireland's relationship to the UK, regardless of Brexit, as a double-edged sword. We're next door neighbours to one of the biggest music markets in the world. We share a language. We're the only other English-speaking country in Europe. So a lot of doors are opened for Irish artists and for Irish music industry professionals by being a hop, skip and a jump away from London. But we are also often leapfrogged over to go to London. So this, the indie labels and even the domestic major labels have to fight very hard to sign an artist into Ireland because if there's any heat behind that artist, London are going to know about it very, very oh, quickly. So it can be difficult. And again, you know, to show the difference, you know, New Zealand don't experience that with Australia. It's not the same dynamic. It can be a huge benefit, but it can also lead to a lot of our business being exported, which can be difficult. And and I think that acknowledging that and seeing that there's something there that, you know, we'll always have as a almost a competitor is important. But over the last few years, you know, more and more, there's been these day-to-day headaches that Brexit has has thrown up for R&D labels for, you know, before COVID from a touring point of view. Um, you know, economically, like supply chains have started to be affected. Trade has started to be diverted. There's even beyond music, there's just been such an impact from it. But what I've seen is that every time there's been a headache that's Brexit related, the music industry counterpart that we and our members have to deal with in the UK have by and large been willing to move the sun, moon and stars to sort it out. Because I'm seeing that most people in the music industry in the UK didn't support Brexit. Uh, so they're they're frustrated. They're also kind of experiencing difficulties through it. So when you come to the table with the Brexit headache, they come right up and say, right, let's fix it. It kind of saddens me that, it, you know, Brexit has threatened the progress of the general relationship between Ireland and the UK. But my, you know, my biggest fear, and especially because we also work in a cultural industry, is that, you know, there will be any damage to the the good kind of relationship that's been built up over the last 30 years. Gosh, I imagine it can't have been easy at all. And as you know, one of the key concerns with Brexit is obviously touring. We've mentioned this before on 20 Minutes With, when we discussed a solution to post-Brexit touring called GCAT which is being developed by Impala and IAO, the organization representing artists. It proposes a single touring permit for Europe instead of treating the region as a number of distinct countries and blocks. What do you think about this? Do your members ask for guidance on this topic? Touring has been so hugely affected that we've had definitely had inquiries about it. Um, we've had members, you know, bring up issues around Carne, and uh, members having seen the GCAT proposal, asking questions. And on our board, we have a woman called Una Malloy, who's really one of Ireland's kind of most respected independent voices in the live scene, independent booker, 
understands touring far greater than I ever will. So I've really been able to lean on her about this as well. And we've gone through the proposal together. For us, anything that levels the playing field for artists and for Irish artists and their teams, because it's their teams that we represent, is good news. Anything that makes touring more affordable, kind of democratizes it a little bit, we're all for. So I think that the level of kind of consideration and detail that's gone into this um, by the people who've put it together is massively impressive as well. And I think that for us, the the benefit then of, of being a member of Impala and being able to look at these policies and decide, yes, is this for AIM Ireland? And then be a part of a broader collective voice on the matter is huge. And we can bring that back to our members then as well. And, you know, we're still at the point with with just over 100 members where we can kind of identify who are the people who will be immediately affected by this and have open conversations with them and assure them that we're sitting in at Impala meetings and we're getting the information for them. So, yeah, I mean, we support it 100 percent, but also we just want to be as involved as we can in moving the dial on it. Well, fingers crossed for a brighter future. Now, before we move to our customary final questions, are there any current or forthcoming projects that you'd like to share with us at AIM Island or on a personal level? As I mentioned earlier, we're moving closer to an announcement of an exciting education solution slash professional development scheme uh, for our members. So that's going to be coming very soon. And we also have a Hugely beneficial opportunity around A2IM Indie Week. We're going to be rolling that out over the coming weeks. And also on a weekly basis, we're continuing to map out, you know, what the cornerstone activity events are for the organization. You know, the the fundamentals of making sure that our members know what access they have, be it to discounts for events, access to training through Impala as well, resources like the CMU Insights. I mean, they're all just such top level, valuable benefits of being a member. So we're just still at that point of making sure people are actually informed on that. And then, you know, in the kind of immediate future where AIM Ireland will be taking part in the Choice Music Prize Conversations Day and we'll be taking part in Output in Belfast. And then on a more personal non-AIM Ireland hat level, I'm still working as an artist manager and the artist I'm working with is releasing new music. We're able to get back on tour, you know, live music's coming back for everyone. And I'm continuing to mentor for an organization who are a partner of A. Marlin called Mind and Creative Minds as well, um, which I love because it's just that one-on-one relationship and you get to kind of, you know, explore what a person's career paths are and put together strategies. And I just love all of that. Fantastic, Jill. Thank you so much for those. And now for our five quick fire questions in five minutes. Here we go. What are the three things that stand out for you in the past 12 months? One, and it's an obvious one, just the importance of live music. The live side of our industry is just so imperative for that connection with fans. You know, it's just been such an ache in my heart that live has been gone for two years in Ireland and shut down. I think the need for examining where we are as an industry in relation to streaming from a commercial point of view, but also, you know, kind of, you know, some of the more political conversations that came up over the last six weeks have been particularly interesting and healthy. And it's good to see it being examined. I don't by any means think that, you know, all the DSPs are the big bad guys. I know a lot of people who work diligently in DSPs and are music people, um, but we have to keep looking at it and have to keep trying to 
again, just level the playing field, um, not just for artists, but, you know, particularly for songwriters as well. If I had to pick one more, I guess it would be the sheer kind of grit and determination of those who work in music. You know, so many people lost their income, their wages in music over the last 18 to 24 months, and they still do it. They do it for the love of it. They do it to support artists, to not leave artists just, you know, high and dry. They find ways to pivot. And I think that we're quite a unique breed, those of us who work in music. Um, the passion drives us on and the level of professionalism in the face of the adversity that everyone has had has just really impressed me. And it's not just on our domestic scene, but being plugged in through Impala, through Wind, just seeing everybody fighting the same battle, but still coming at it bravely and with passion. What are your priorities for the future? You know, I wanted to be an organisation that, like I kind of touched on earlier, that not only delivers on the micro, that can actually start to be big enough to tackle the blue sky stuff, you know, to kind of look at how we can really, I suppose, you know, make Ireland a sustainable place to work in music independently, that we can make sure that it's seen as a viable career path. And then I think personally for me, you know, within the music industry and with this role and the role of being an artist manager to a female artist, just continue to advocate for women and non-binary people in music, continue to impart any wisdom I have, but learn from others as well. And that's really important to me. And that's part of kind of the mentoring side of things. And I've mentored for Key Change, who I'm a big supporter of as well. And then, you know, from the artist management point of view, just start to come back and help this artist get back on track. She's been at home for two years, you know, and within a couple of months of everything opening up, she's been writing in Sweden. She's been releasing new music. She's been playing shows. And yeah, that's just a joy. And what are you often heard saying? (laughs) I'm often heard saying that just because you choose to release music does not mean that it is an entitlement that you will earn from it. I have a pragmatism about this industry partly based on the heartache that I've seen a lot of artists and industry people go through and not being able to make it their day-to-day wage. The digital democratization of music has been great because we have more artists, we're seeing a a better diversity and representation of different cultures, but it's also there's a finite amount of revenue there, a finite amount of resources. And You might choose to record and release music commercially, but it is by no means a guarantee or an entitlement that it will become your full-time job and it will work um, commercially. So I think that that's the one thing people need to know and flick that switch in your head going in. doesn't mean you can't be ambitious and you can't dream and you can't want it, but it's not an entitlement. It's still a business and it's highly competitive. What's your one piece of advice to someone considering a career in music? What a great question that is. I I just love that question. It's hard to kind of dispel that into one thing. But I think for me, from doing it now for 20 years, it's just fully understand that it is a business. And it's one that most people are in because they're hugely passionate about music. So I think from day one, just work on the balance of it being something that you're passionate about, but also that there's a commerce to it because you can be hugely vulnerable when you're working in an industry that is your passion. You're prone to be taking advantage of as well because you feel so lucky to work in music, but your time and your skill set is valuable. So I think just, you know, to allow your love of music to stay intact 
try to develop some boundaries of knowing what the kind of work side of it is and what the love that will always be there for music is as well. And just always tinker away at getting that balance if you can. In which case, what's on your playlist at the moment? Well, we have new music coming from Amy, the artist I manage. So she's on repeat in our house at the moment, as you can imagine. We have a new single in February and beyond that. But beyond artists I'm working directly with, I've been spending actually a lot of time listening to a Limerick. I was in Limerick last night for a show, but Limerick-based artist called Martian Subculture. who's kind of like a Tame Impala vibe, who's very, very cool. I love the new weekend stuff. There's an Irish artist called Megan O'Neill. She was quite a country folk and she's going in a different direction. And I just love what she's doing. I think it's amazing and she's incredible. And then I've also been listening to Taylor's version of Red a lot too, which I just think is a masterpiece. Jill Dooley, thank you so much for taking the time to discuss with us why the Irish independent music scene is such a significant player on the global stage and how AIM Island is showing that Brexit and all the potential hurdles that come with it do not spell the end of Europe's vibrant music industry. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and I could chat all day. It's, uh, it's just wonderful to be asked, so thank you. <laughs>